Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can declare it is well with our souls. We thank you that there was a day when our souls were not well. We needed redemption and we needed healing. We needed freedom. But you came and you brought that freedom. You brought that salvation. You gave us life. And for every person gathered here this morning, I pray that they would be well with their souls. And that, Lord, if not, then between now and the time they leave, that their selves themselves would experience the rejuvenation, the work of God, the work of salvation within each of our lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can sing those words. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, we're going to take up our tithes and offerings as already um, has been mentioned uh, by Nick at uh, this point. And if I can, in, um, well, first of all, I can thank you for our last week's uh, business meeting. It was great. Uh, and thank you for affirming our budget for the coming year and all that we're doing. And thank you for those that joined online for our and in person for our Willow One prayer. It was remarkable, wasn't it? So encouraging to hear about the gospel changing lives and to meet Andy Hawthorne and to be able to, uh, to connect and to be able to hear about the transforming power of Jesus. And that is really what our church is all about, is about the power and the transforming work of Jesus Christ and the difference that it makes. Um, don't forget those who, who got dedicated, your certificates are here. Zoe, Faith, and uh, Amy, they're here. They have a $500 check-in. Um, no, no, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Sorry. <laughs> it's good. Uh, if you've got your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter 12. We're going to take a moment break from the life of David. We're going to continue with the life of David to the end basically to the end of June, so two or three more messages. And then we're um, going to step into a new series over the summer. But I wanted to mark today, just as I was praying, I was thinking, shall I preach on this? I had something planned in terms of the David covenant and how the divinic covenant works and how it's put together. Uh, but then last uh, 48 hours while I was in prayer, I just thought we need to mark Pentecost. We need to mark Pentecost because today is uh, Pentecost. We need to mark it because when we think of Christmas, we think of Easter. So often it is easy within our lives to forget Pentecost. Um, 50 days after the Passover was Pentecost. And we don't want to forget that because it is critical. Some people call it the birthday of the church. And then lots of theologians argue whether it was the birthday of the church or not, or whether the birthday of the church was somewhere else, when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But whatever it is, we know that at this moment, the power of the Holy Spirit came and turned a group of timid believers, a group of fearful followers into uh, bold, 
bold apostles and, and servants of the Lord Jesus Christ as they became empowered, as they became full, as God energized the church on this day, suddenly things started to change and things started to happen. This was prophesied, you know. Not only prophesied by the prophet Joel, who said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. But he also, it was prophesied by Jesus Christ himself earlier in Acts chapter 1, when he said, if you tarry, if you wait in Jerusalem, then you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and unto the ends of the world. So Jesus said, wait, wait, and you will receive. Wait, and you will receive. And God will work. And the one thing that we're not very good at doing as Christians is waiting and spending time in the presence of God so we receive the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit within our lives. I mean, it has been said, and I may have said it before, that the early church, you know, waited and they prayed for 10 days. And then the Holy Spirit came and, and, and Peter got up and preached for 10 minutes and 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. The church today likes to preach for 10 days and pray for 10 minutes and we wonder why we're not seeing the kind of transformative growth that we really need to see. We wonder why people aren't giving their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're wondering why we're not seeing our lives transformed and our communities transformed and our nation transformed because there is a direct link between the power of the prayer and the power of the Spirit within a believer's life. That direct link we have to affirm in our life. We have to be willing to say, yes, I want that direct link. Chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This moment... When the Spirit came to the church. Jesus has actually spoken earlier, of course, in John chapter, um, chapter 17 and verse six, 16, where he spoke, chapter 7 and verse 16, where he spoke about, I will send to you a helper. I will send to you one that will come and will be your helper. I will go away, but a helper will come. And I find that really encouraging. I find it encouraging that in my Christian life, Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper. Jesus also said, tarry in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will come to be with you and will empower you to be witnesses. And I see in Acts chapter 2 how that was utterly and completely fulfilled. You see, the mistake that many Christians make is that we think that the work and the presence of the Holy Spirit is some kind of deluxe version of Christianity. You know? 
Uh, there are those who are Christians, but then there are the spirit-filled Christians who are the kind of deluxe version. You can get your basic F-150, but then there's a deluxe version that you might get. Mind you, that's not a very good example because they're all awesome. Uh, but, Ford Focus. But, you get a deluxe version. But let me remind you what A.W. Tozer said. He said that it is not a deluxe version receiving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is part and parcel of every believer's life. And so when we start to think about these verses, we realize that there are three things going on that will frame the whole of the book of Acts. First of all, there's the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, there is the move of evangelism that starts to break out and starts to work. And thirdly, there is the formation of community that begins to happen. When you become a Christian, you don't get a deluxe version. When you become a Christian, if you are all in, if you are all believing, if you surrendered your whole life to Christ, then the reality of the power and the infilling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis is with every one of us as believers. I mean, without the Holy Spirit, you can't even get saved. How, how did you become a Christian? You didn't become a Christian because you signed a contract. You didn't become a Christian because one day you decided to just, I'm going to believe that. You became a Christian because by revelation, the Spirit bear witness within you and suddenly you realize that Jesus Christ is the answer for the world today. That he is the light, that he's the truth, that he is the life, that he comes to save us and comes to rescue us. And at that moment you believed wherever that was, on the floor of a camp where you'd gone forward to an appeal or in a church service or walking through nature. Wherever this happened, there came a moment when you were rejuvenated you were born again. How? By the power and work of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do religion. And that's very boring. And very distracting. Oh, being religious is such hard work. <sighs> Honestly. But being a disciple of Jesus is the most glorious thing. Most glorious thing. That he comes and he works in evangelism. You see, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we realize from the book of Acts is that we may inform people about God. We may tell them. We may explain it. We may inform them. We may spend that time. But it is only the power of the Holy Spirit which transforms a person into a believer. See, I inform people, but the Holy Spirit transforms people. It's only by that. We may preach the gospel, and we've preached the gospel. We preach the gospel, and we preach about the power of the gospel to change life. But it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that somebody who is dead spiritually rises up and becomes alive spiritually. You see, we know 
that we are here to shine the light of God into the world and to let everybody know that we are Christians and let that light shine and be present within our lives and let that light shine. But we can shine that light, but it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that blind eyes are opened and people see the truth. Our job is to proclaim it is the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that brings death from death to life. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that opens blind eyes, that they see and they know the reality that Jesus Christ is the true Savior, the Lord, and the King of Kings. You may be a skilled communicator. You may have the ability to hold events. You may have the ability to be able to speak and be able to do those amazing things, but it's only the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and saves a soul and brings them into the body of Christ and into the church. So what we have here in Pentecost and in the book of Acts, we have the infilled life. We have evangelism, explosion taking place. And we have community and church coming together. And what we cannot forsake is any of those three things. We cannot stop being a people that are aware that we are full of the glory and the presence of God. And that we are tabernacles, that we are temples and God dwells within us. God is a lot more closer to you and to I than often we imagine. But do we take the time to commune? Do we take the time to sit in his presence? Do we take the time to be there and enjoy and know his presence in our lives and to commune? Scriptures that we've read, now when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Pentecost was the celebration of the harvest. The wheat harvested come to an end. The barley harvest was also coming. And these two uh, harvests were connected, particularly the barley harvest. And there they celebrated together about the harvest. And this was the day, of course, when, when they were all people from around the world had gathered. I love it that on the weekend and the event when the harvest is brought in, that God decides to fill the church and birth the church with the power of the Holy Spirit because our lives, our church, our calling has to be about bringing in the harvest. The days are short. The world is changing. We are facing calamity. We are facing social isolation. The church is under attack in so many areas. We are seeing the shifting and the shaking within the nations. We're experiencing pandemics. We're experiencing moments that we haven't experienced for centuries. But this is a time not to hide away. This is a time to believe for a mighty harvest in the world. And, and it was all about the world, Pentecost, about the mighty harvest. Ah, oh, love it. Love it. The whole world was present, and then they were going to be commissioned to go into the whole world. And the power and the wind of God arrived. A wind is significant. It is seen as the breath of God. It is seen in Genesis chapter 1 when the Spirit hovered like a, like a dove over the waters before God said, let there be light. 
The Spirit is significant in Ezekiel chapter 31. Dry bones and God's wind comes and brings the dry bones alive in that mighty resurrection moment within the prophetic power of Ezekiel where dry, dead, dry bones, the wind blows and it comes alive and the nation is alive. The wind is present in John chapter 3. Of course, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, verse 16. But it's also about that nobody knows the movement and the, of the Spirit, but we are born again of the Spirit of God. So our lives, we are dry bone. We maybe have lost our enthusiasm. We may have never been born again and experienced the power of God. But the Spirit of God is fundamental to transforming lives. And this is what drives the church. It's in like the, the third world church, or the emerging world, excuse me, where you see this. Um, many of you know that, that Glenn and I went to Africa. And the one thing I love about going to Africa is that, is that, the, that the African church really, really, really do believe that people have to repent and give their lives to Jesus to be saved. They're not very polite about it always. <laughs> We're so polite, aren't we? We're so lovely people, Canadians. We just never... I'm a Canadian now, so I can talk about us <laughs> in that way. But we're so polite. We, I got there and I, I said to an evangelist, he was an um, uh, evangelistic team there. I said to this evangelist, he said, do you want to come and, and go out on mission evangelism? So I said, yes. So I got up at, at 5.30 in the morning. We got the Land Rover ready. We got into the Land Rover and off we went driving through the back streets of this city. Everybody was waking up. There's a smell of smoke all around from the cooking pots. And we were going, this little evangelistic team, were going to a school. Now in Canada, I did lots of schools ministry, you'd have to make appointments, you'd have to bring letters, you'd have to do this. But, you know, they'd said, well, if we just turn up and ask the principal, often they just let us come in and preach. So this would be fun. So I'm banging around in the, in the Land Rover. And get to the first school. It's a big school. We pip the horn. The security guard opens us up. And they say, Pastor Phil, you wait here. We're just going into the office. So they go into the office. And after about 15 minutes, they come out and say, yes, they're going to bring the whole school for us to do the presentation to. So 10 minutes later, 750 teenagers are gathered in the central area all waiting for this presentation. So the evangelist gets up and he starts to talk and then, then one of the uh, members of the team, a lady was talking and preaching and sharing and showing illustrations and then at the end of it they just said, oh, who wants to give their lives to Jesus? And like suddenly 600 kids gave their lives to Jesus. I'm like, what? Then they're like, who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Every hand goes up. So they pray for them all to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, wow. And then they go, where are the teachers? So they said, bring all the teachers. All the teachers came together. They talked to them and they prayed with them. They blessed them for all their hard work. And then they prayed for them. And that was the first school we visited. I said, how many times are we going to do this? They said, we maybe do six or seven today. I said, oh, hallelujah. 
yeah, this, we got this app, there's loads. It was a bit, you know, really, what's going on? I said, what about all these kids? And, you know, we're very, very, you know, English about this. You know, what about follow-up? What about this? Well, Scripture Union comes in straight afterwards and they start groups and stuff. So then we go off and around and then, then suddenly we get out into a deep suburb and the Land Rover breaks down over, over steams. And I said to Evangelist, what are we going to do now? He said, well, let's set up here and let's just preach to all these people. Oh, okay. We don't want to mend the Land Rover. Nope. We'll just do that. We'll see and we'll pray for the Land Rover to get healed. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we're praying for the Land Rover to get healed. We're now setting up the things and they're ordering an Uber, a taxi. And the taxi arrives and picks us up and we all, they go, oh, we'll go to the next school and we'll leave this and we pay somebody to guard the Land Rover. And so then we go to the next school, but the taxi driver takes us this most up the hills and like we're in some kind of, you know, scrambling experience and... It was like, uh, and a, a lady comes up to the car, knocks on the window and says, pray for, her, pray for me. And we go, okay, are you born again? She goes, no. Share the gospel with her. Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Yes. I want my children to be baptized and dedicated. I'm like, oh, okay. Let's pray for you. What's your name? And she's, we're talking, the interpreters and everything. And, um, and then talk to her, and then we say, well, you know, uh, you, you have to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And then she says she's been to the witch doctor, and then she, like, freaks out and runs off down the road. Just another day in the life of evangelism. We arrive at this school, but we didn't realize it was a Muslim school. So I said, what are we going to do? Oh, we'll ask anyway. So they go into the school. They say, do you want to... Um, us to kind of share about Jesus, faith, share our message. Headmaster thinks, after a while he goes, yes, come on in. So we go in. Where are we holding it? In the mosque. This was a first. <laughs> so in the mosque, all the children gather about 250 and start to talk about Jesus. And at the end of it, they explain the way of salvation. You could, could feel the tension. And we were blessing them and encouraging them, thanking for sharing. It was a lovely moment and everything. And then as we left, some Christian teachers who worked in the Muslim school said, we've been praying and praying for months that one day a Christians will turn up and will share Jesus with the whole school. I'm like, Wow. Where are we going now? Back to the Land Rover, because that's still sat there broken down. So back to the Land Rover, and it's being guarded by an 11-year-old boy. And, and so we get there. Then, okay, what are we going to do? Let's call the, um, call the mechanic. He says, well, pour water in it and drive it really quietly, slowly, and, and you'll see if we get it back. So we prayed over it that it would be healed. And prayed the water and off it went. Now, why do I tell you all that? And eventually we arrived back at about four o'clock, about, I don't know, like 10 or 12 hours later. Whew. You're exhausted just listening to that. And it's like 33 Celsius. Oh, I did sweat. 
too much information. But why do I say that? Is that that is repeated in countries and nations all over the world again and again and again. Because the church in the developing world believes in the power of prayer, believes in the power of the gospel, and believes that the day of Pentecost meant something and that the church should change the world. And I woke up that day and I was reminded, Phil, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten that it's about the presence of God? Have you forgotten that the presence of God came on the day of Pentecost? The, the presence of God, of course, came in the Old Testament. There in the burning bush came on Mount Sinai, came into the tabernacle, came into the temple, and then eventually has come into a remarkable people who have given their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are now the new tabernacle, the new temple that carried the glory of God to the world. World. Sometimes, sometimes we just need to start to get in our Land Rovers and pray that they keep running, turn up somewhere and just say, Lord, what are you going to do? Are you going to do something impossible in this situation? And I was musing on this because, okay, that is, you go, that's so easy that one can say, well, that's there. And not here. But the same Holy Spirit is there, is also here. It may be a different strategy. It may be a different way. It may be a different approach. But we serve the same God. While they pray for us that we will become revived. While they pray for us that we will come alive. While they pray for us that the Western Church will not give in but will stand firm and true to the fundamentals of the gospel and the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2. See, notice suddenly the sound of a blowing violent wind. If you're dry, if you've lost it, it's the Holy Spirit that will revive your Christianity. If you're not a Christian, let me tell you, not signing up to a religious group or some kind of sect, you are literally, I'm saying to you, when you become a Christian, you receive the spirit of the living God into your life. And it's the presence of God in your life that transforms your life. And I can't convince you. I can try. I can inform you, but Jesus transforms you. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from, from heaven and filled the whole house. And where they were sitting, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. You see, at this moment, the Holy Spirit kind of went from a, a national in a sense, a corporate presence of God's presence should have been in the nation to the world. And that fire split. That fire from the tabernacle. That fire from Mount Sinai. That fire from the burning bush. That fire and pillar by day and a pillar of fire by night and, and pillar of cloud by day. That this moment, that glorious presence of the power of God split and came to rest on every believer. Every believer. 
It became personal. It became personal. That everything about our faith is that we are corporate together in the body of Christ. But it is personal in our relationship with the Lord. It is intimate. It is powerful. It is dynamic. And we should seek after God. We should love God. We should seek his face. Because if Pentecost is about anything, it became personal to each one of them. And God released them in their gifts and in their abilities. And the 120 were ignited, which ignited the world. And the question is, how is one's personal relationship truly with Christ? And two things happened. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in tongues, in other languages. Now this is different tongues to ones that are spoken about in 1 Corinthians 12 and chapter 14. We've taught on that. We can step into this. This is a significant sign when all those that were gathered began to speak in other languages and the nations of the world heard them and they were declaring the wonders of God. Do you want to understand what true mission and evangelism truly is all about? Truly, it's about declaring the wonders of God. I don't have to get anxious about sharing about Jesus Christ. I don't have to get all worked up like some kind of 1980s robocop going out and doing evangelism. Excuse me. Let me share Jesus with you. You know... Yes, have this little pamphlet and then pull out an evangelical submachine gun and go, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. There you go, you've got the gospel. See, see you again at church on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, but I'm the pastor of the church. And it's not like that. It's about being relaxed. It's about the joy, the wonderment, the excitement, the glory of sharing the wonder of God. They spoke in all the languages and everything that was spoken was about the wonder of God. What was happening here? It was the birth of the era of the Spirit in the church. It's the era of the Spirit. And we are now in the era of the Spirit. Globally, whether in Tanzania, banging around in old Land Rover, breaking down. It's not a very good advert for Land Rovers, is it? The Queen loves Land Rovers, though, honestly. But, you know, it is, it is, it is the era. Now, now, look at these people. They were utterly amazed, you know. They were utterly amazed. And verse 7, what did they say? I'm utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in their native language? They're being rude. They're like Galileans. Galileans. Galileans were seen as sort of like simple folk from the countryside. 
Galileans. There were jokes about Galileans in, in Judea. Those Galileans. Ha, 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 ha. These, you know the kind of uh, belittling, uh, kind of taking groups of people, you know, and talking about them in this way or talking about in that way, in a very negative, cynical way. People do this in England. If you come from different parts of the country, you have different accents. And then people are, are, are kind of dismissive of certain accents. And they mock those accents. And they, they talk about those people, whether you're from the north or whether the south. Or actually in England, whether you're like 10 miles away. Because people speak in different languages just 10 miles away. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's not like... Not like Canada. I mean, we all sound like Albertans, don't we? Um, <laughs> you know, but you get out east. That's the only accent I can tell any difference. Like Newfoundland. I'm like, oh, that sounds different. Are you Irish? No, I'm from Newfoundland. I was not going to put on an accent then. I resisted it. But, you know, we look at people groups. We look at people and go, they're not quite up to scratch. They're not quite good enough. They've got that Galilean accent. But when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, it doesn't matter what accent you've got. It doesn't matter how isolated and marginalized and useless you feel. It doesn't matter how society makes you feel inadequate and not good enough and not successful enough. Because when the Holy Spirit comes on a willing person, your life is transformed. And those human boundaries, those human insecurities count for nothing. Because we are a people that are full of the presence and the power and the anointing of God. And we are loved from God. And watch out, I'm going to preach the gospel in a Galilean accent. And I'm going to see the world changed. I'm going to change everything. And maybe in our lives, because of where we've come from, because of what people have spoken over us, because of what we've been through, we feel like we are not good enough, we're not educated enough, we are not able enough. People have sown things into our lives. But I want to tell you that when the Holy Spirit comes, as John Wimber said, everybody gets to play. Everybody, everybody can be used from God. Everybody can be full of God's spirit. Everybody has gifts. Everybody has abilities. Because you can't reach the whole world without everybody participating in the mission of God. You may feel you're from Galilee, but let me tell you, Jesus recruited Galileans. And if you feel like a Galilean, then you are ready to be used by God. If you feel like you're from Jerusalem, you can still be used by God. Or if you're from Vancouver. But wherever you might be, we can do that. We can be used by God. So a couple of things happen in this text. First of all, they rise up and they preach and speak the wonders of God. 
And secondly, they say to them, they must be drunk. Look at them. What does this mean? They must be drunk. This is ridiculous. This is how each of them hearing their own native tongues. How can they declare them, declaring the wonders of God and, uh, in their own tongues? Twelve, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Actually, in the Greek, it's, it's more specific. They've had too much sweet wine. Two things are happening. People are amazed and wowed by what they're hearing. And the other part of the crowd are mocking and criticizing and coming against them. Whenever the Holy Spirit works and whenever a church is on fire for God and whenever Christian believers are prayed up and believing in the transformation of of, of Christ, whenever we arrive truly as a group of believers to make a difference in our world through our deeds and through our words, something unique happens. People are amazed and are wondered. Look at them, they're incredible. And then the other side are like, they're mad. They're Bible bashing lunatics. They're drunk with sweet wine. They are crazy people. Always the two. And what we have to realize is, is that if the church is going to move forward in the next years to come, we are going to continue to be the smell of perfume to some and the stench of death to others. But what keeps us going is the power of the Spirit. I want to finish on three points. Don't worry, they're not long points. Because I need to land this. And I hope you felt my enthusiasm and I've felt a sense of passion about it. Because, you know, we've had many gifts as a church and one of them has been our 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. And I've often used those 21 days for every day to sit for half an hour and just ask, Lord, fill me with your spirit. That's something every one of you can do. Every day, just to pause and wait and remind yourself, I need to be full of God's spirit. Three things that sum up this passage. One, personal. So you can remember this. It got personal very quickly. What do I mean by personal? Our faith is a personal faith. It's personal. The power of your faith is about the relationship you hold in intimacy with our Savior. And it's beautiful. It's personal. It's profound. It's wonderful. Never lose the personal nature of your faith. The power of the Spirit is about the personal nature of this moment. Secondly, power. Easy to remember. It gave them the unction and the ability and the momentum to see the gospel spread throughout the world. And we are still in the Jesus movement. And when you lack power and you are weak and you are broken and you are grieving... 
Jesus says, I, have sent, I will go away, but I will send you a helper. And I will help you. And I will be with you. And I will be there. He gives us the power, the strength for living, to do this Christianity. And thirdly, all peoples. There's no room. There's no room for segregation in the kingdom of God. There is no room in any sense that there is elitism, that there is separation. In the kingdom of God, all nations, all peoples, all creeds, everybody gets to hear the wonders and the good news of Jesus. There's no room for any form of a hint of racism, of marginalization, or of putting people groups into a negative light, or groups of nations and people, the way we view them and the way we may despise them, or, or groups within our own Canadian culture in any way. There is no room for that. And we can have seen the history and the terrible history of our indigenous history that is present and the way that we can stereotype people and put people into boxes. This is not the way of the kingdom of God. We, in the power of the gospel and the power of the Spirit, declare the word of God in the tongues of every nation and every people. And we declare the wonder of God's creation. And we welcome all and declare all the goodness of God to all people. The Tower of Babel is reversed in the kingdom of God. We now speak one language, and the language is the gospel, the language is love, the language is compassion, and the language is the way of scriptures. So we have it personally, we have the power, and now we have all peoples. And as I close, and the indication is youth are flickering back in, hear the noise. I want to encourage you as we close. I love our church. I love what's happening in our church, the way that we receive it. You know, we started a, a Brazilian care group a little while ago. And they, some families from Brazil had emigrated, joined our church. And they advertised on WhatsApp to a Brazilian group. And 18 people joined that group. Just like that. And I'm like, oh, all nations. I'm dreaming that all nations will come to our church and be part of our church and that we will be a beacon for all nations and all people. But it starts by being filled with the Spirit. Amen. Let's stand together. As we finish, Pentecost demands a, a preaching of passion, but demands a response in our own lives. That maybe if we become like dry bones of Israel in Ezekiel 37. Maybe we've lost the personal, we've lost the power, and therefore we've lost the connection with people. In the final moments of this service, 
Let's worship. And it should go without saying, I shouldn't even need to do an appeal or anything. Just pause and ask that the Holy Spirit on this Sunday will renew you. And that the living water, the springs of life will well up within you. And enthusiasm and life will start to come again. And you will be filled now with the Holy Spirit afresh. Let me pray for you. And if you want to just be open to the Lord, refreshing you and renewing you, just if you feel comfortable and are able, just reach out your hands. Father, I pray. I pray, Lord, that today that the Holy Spirit will come to this wonderful congregation and will again renew us and fill us. Bring us fully into that personal relationship. Give us the power to live the Christian life. And that we may then bless all peoples of every nation, of every culture, of all these lands. In Jesus' name.